Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. You've tuned in to the best culinary conversation and it starts right here and right now. I welcome you to my kitchen. Every weekend, I'm heating it up in your radio with grand guests, chef's tips, recipe inspiration, food news, and more to make your dishes come alive with flavor. And whether you love to cook or just love to eat, you can take your cooking skills to the next level or satiate your appetite just by staying tuned. I hope you'll visit my all-new website at chefjamie.com to make every day more delicious. And please become a friend and a fan and follow on social for my daily dish at Chef Jamie Gwen. All right, let's kick off this hour with some flavor bomb conversation, shall we? It's the secret ingredient in so many Italian recipes. It adds huge umami flavor to sauces and salads. And maybe you're a fan or you didn't know that chefs everywhere use them as their secret weapon. Yes, there is fish sauce and mushrooms and soy sauce, all umami bombs of flavor. But let me tell you, there is anchovy in more dishes than you might realize. Anchovies, I happen to love. They lend really rich, savory flavor and salty brine, not to mention a healthy dose of omega-3 fatty acids, to lots of wonderful things. And if you know how to use them properly, I really believe you will embrace the beauty of an anchovy. In pasta and Caesar salad and steaks, Yes, steaks. Stay tuned for that. I love using anchovy in a simple dish, let's say, of spaghetti with breadcrumbs and pine nuts and raisins, or when you secretly add anchovy to your tomato sauce and it melts into the saute of garlic and onions, you get this really deep, rich flavor. It's, as the French say, the je ne sais quoi. If you use them in moderation, it's that Taste you can't quite put your finger on, but there's something so craveable about the next bite. Now, you can add anchovies to egg salad or homemade mayo. You can make an anchovy butter that will wow your taste buds. Seriously. And I believe that using quality anchovies will add nuance and flavor depth that even anchovy naysayers will love. Now, like any controversial figure, the mighty anchovy is highly misunderstood. In the U.S., unfortunately, preserved anchovies have a really bad reputation. They are seen as uh, bad-smelling, overly salty, fishy, and more. And the reputation... I think is, undes- is undeserved whole, uh, as a whole, let's say. So here is your tutorial on anchovies. The most readily available anchovies are anchovies packed in oil. And typical supermarket varieties are brined for about two months before being rinsed and filleted and gutted and packed. And the result of the brining is a less intense anchovy experience. 
But my biggest problem with these anchovies is that you have no idea what kind of oil they're packed in. So if you can find anchovies that specifically state they are packed in olive oil and it's a good quality, reputable brand, then you're good. Now, anchovy paste falls under this readily available category, and I actually think it has a place in the kitchen. I do keep a tube of good quality anchovy paste in the fridge at all times, and I use it, as I said, in a lot of my tomato dishes, sauces, and pastas. And unless you're getting a really specialty product of anchovies in oil, Salt-packed anchovies are usually the chef's choice. They are generally a higher quality anchovy than those packed in oil. They are dried before being packed in salt, which draws out any excess water. It concentrates the flavor of the fish. And the salt-packed anchovies that I like come from Sicily, which is the greatest source, I think, of most of the salt-packed anchovies we get our hands on. They break down once the can has been opened. So you either have to plan on giving anchovies to all your friends or buy them from an already opened can at the deli counter of your favorite Italian market. And they're sold sold whole rather. You always want to rinse them thoroughly under cold water before you use them to get rid of that excess salt. Now, There are also marinated white anchovies, which I love, typical of Spain. They are different altogether from anchovies canned and in jars. They are marinated in vinegar and other seasonings, and they're usually used as a condiment or a component of a a dish. And you'll generally see them in the fish department of specialty food stores, in the refrigerator case at seafood shops. Um, I drape them over a Caesar salad. I put them on a pizza. I think they're delicious, but I happen to have a pretty tart palate. And so I love that vinegar base. Now, if you are a diehard anchovy fan or you know one and you want to buy the best, you buy colatura. Colatura is an extract made of anchovies aged for three to four years. It is a paste with a much less fishy flavor than an actual anchovy itself. And it can be used to flavor everything. And we're seeing it more and more. Um, It's an ingredient of the moment. Call it on trend. It's available online. Um, I don't have any connection to them, but there is a store called Gustiamo. It's a great imported Italian food website, and they sell a very good colatura. Now, you really can gain an appreciation for anchovies, in my humble culinary opinion, like um, the fact that we've embraced the Brussels sprout by just serving a few anchovies alongside a salad of tomato, basil, mozzarella, good bread, olive, cheese, salumi. Like the best charcuterie board should have anchovies. I happen to love fried anchovies, particularly good with lots of fresh lemon juice and a very cold beer. Or you can start small and you can just add a teaspoon of good quality anchovy paste the next time you make a pasta sauce. And you might just see the brilliance because the flavor blends in and it adds tremendous umami. And I promise you won't even know it's there. You'll just know it's good. Never Say Never is a really good lesson when it comes to anchovies in general. And if you want a dish on 
anchovies, please email me anytime. Jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. And that is my weekend sermon on big flavor. And I hope it made you hungry or at least adventurous for anchovies. All right. It's time for food news this week. Uh, This is some news you can use actually. Quite fascinating where food technology is going if you embrace such technology. And that I do because I think we are ever growing as a food world. This is really good dinner party conversation. In fact, you will soon be able to try plant-based poached eggs with an actual runny yolk. And in a time when it is seemingly hard to get eggs at the supermarket, (laughs) then maybe their plant-based egg will be even more embraced. Plant-based food taking another impressive leap. It is the world's first animal-free whole poached egg from a company by the name of Yo Egg. It is a certainly timely release with uh, the current egg shortage, uh, and it's debuting in Los Angeles. And what makes this product stand out is that it actually has a runny yolk. And I've not tasted it personally, but I look forward to it. It has what is said to be a rather authentic taste of the original. It's made using chickpeas and soy, other non-GMO ingredients as well. It is sustainable, unlike chicken eggs. It delivers the whole egg, which most chefs, I would tell you, are looking for. And it comes perfectly poached. So if you want to learn more, just search it and check it out. Pretty cool, actually. All right. I'll tell you something else pretty cool. This gal's pretty cool, and I'm really proud to call her my friend. She is the seven-time best-selling author, uh, the host of a most successful PBS series, a James Beard Award winner, a nutritionist, and just a really great gal who loves food. That's right. Ellie Krieger is back. Ellie Krieger in your radio right after this. Don't you dare touch your dial. She's just too good. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio as well. Lots more fabulous food right after this. Satiating your appetite every weekend, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. She's a culinary nutritionist, a seven-time best-selling author, the host of Ellie's Real Good Food on PBS, of course, and a two-time James Beard Award winner. And she's here to share winter inspiration. And I am always so thrilled when Ellie Krieger is back on the radio with us. It was many years ago that I had the distinct opportunity to sit down and lunch with Ellie. And I'm really, truly thankful that she has remained my friend and continues to grace this show. She's back to get us revved up for 2023 
with delicious dishes and inspiration for where that sweet spot meets healthy and delicious. And I love when we get to celebrate with Ellie. Happy New Year to you, my friend, and thank you for coming back on the show. Same to you, Jamie. It is <laughs> so you. good to, to talk with you. And yes, we have to do another lunch in real life soon. I know. It's been way too long. Gosh, that I'm, I'm still reminiscing about that lunch long ago. Um, I, I love your posts. I love them all year round. But I always feel like a fresh start with you, especially at the beginning of the year, and how you make better everything, really. It's just that overall healthier approach that you take. Um, We're deep in winter. You know, in Southern California, we're quote unquote freezing, Ellie. It's like 50 degrees. I mean, you know what? It's 50 degrees here in New York City today. So I don't know what's happening with this world. I know, I know. But you're in full throttle soup mode. And I'm, I'm quoting you on that. So can you warm us up to start, please? Oh, I can. And you know, I think it's like, it's not only just a temperature thing, but it's like a spiritual thing. Yes. There's something about soup that just hits the right spot. And it's the ultimate comfort food and really, to me, the ultimate healthy comfort food. I agree. Um, it's, it's, it's so nourishing. It's so delicious. Yeah. It's so fulfilling. It's so warming heart and soul and body. And, um, and it's good for you. I mean, it's, there's so much nourishment there. So it's perfect for right now. And I am definitely in full throttle soup mode. I I actually, it's funny because I make a soup probably every single week of the year. In the summer, I make gazpacho and chilled zucchini soup, and I make a yogurt soup, and I I make chilled soups. And then in the winter, I, of course, you know, when most people think of fall and and winter, it's soup season. So, but there's no such thing as not soup season for me. (laughs) Yeah, Um, but we love that about you. And I wonder, do you go to your fridge and find inspiration? Like, oh, big container of yogurt and a couple of cucumbers. Sounds like cold cucumber soup to me. Or like you made, you made rather a caldo verde, the Portuguese soup. Um, And I love that you referenced it as like a green smoothie, right? You've got all the goodness in it. But did you just find mushrooms in your fridge and think, oh, Uh look, soup? You know what? In that case, I was specifically, so I write for the Washington Post. And most of of the recipes on my site were originally for them. Um, But I'll think like, oh, I want to make a caldo verde. How can I give it a little healthier twist in a way or... Or make it vegetarian because I know I have a lot of vegetarian um, listeners and viewers and readers. So, um, so in this case, I just said, "Oh, I think I can do like these paprika mushrooms." Mm. If you saute mushrooms with paprika and a little bit of cayenne pepper and salt, and you cook them down till they're nice and firm and browned, it kind of gives that essence of a bacon or a sausage. It's not bacon or sausage. I personally love chorizo. I'm not a vegetarian. I don't mind putting a little of chorizo as well in the soup, but I wanted a vegetarian version, and I and this gives that essence. So the smoked paprika, um, it gives that essence. I love so that. that was my goal there. But sometimes I just made a soup, actually, um, and this recipe was <laughs> wound up being something I developed for the post, but I exactly what you said. I'm in the refrigerator. I'm like, I have a half a head of cabbage. I have all these things that, you know, last in the refrigerator. I have a half a head of cabbage. I have a couple of onions. I have some, I have some, uh, some carrots and 
a can of chick, and then I'm like, what can I put in? I'm going to make this a meal, a soup meal, and I put in a can of chickpeas, and then I stirred in and some chicken broth, and then I stirred in some miso at the end. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. I loved the soup. I loved it. It was literally like from what was left in my refrigerator yes. and in my cupboard, and I, it was just delightful. And I so think... I, it is one of my favorite ways to cook. I think some of the best soups are made that way. Like, I come up with this generic title like winter soup and I clean out the produce (laughs) bin. No, I do. Or there's like, you know, six tablespoons of leftover orzo or, you know, the few shreds of rotisserie chicken that uh, my son didn't eat. And that becomes like this bowl of goodness like you talk about. And then the miso, see, that's genius. When you add in that uh, that umami bomb or that flavor punch at the end, you get a it's a whole new transformation. Yeah, I love the miso in there. And especially, I also love like carrot and miso. Ooh, so okay. So if you're doing a, a carrot soup, you know, just a basic carrot soup, you could do like onions and a little garlic and carrot and maybe an herb like thyme. Oh, I put thyme in my cabbage soup too. Um, and then at the end, just stir in a little miso. It just adds this whole other dimension. Yeah, definitely. That so. works great with that little sweet from mm. the carrot. Mm, I love that. Speaking of chorizo, you posted a fish recipe that I can't wait to make of late. And very selfishly, because I'm committed to more fish dishes in February, I feel like we've been eating way too much chicken in my house. So I'm trying to teach my toddler that salmon is spectacular. Um, it's not working yet, but I know it will. <laughs> I really do. Um, inspire us, please, because you're fish-focused, and that, to me, very much speaks lean and clean. Oh, yeah. I mean, most people don't even get, like, one... It's so funny. Some days I will eat fish three times a day. In the morning, I'll have my half of a everything bagel with um, with some, like white fish salad or even tuna salad or something. Maybe in the afternoon I might have a piece of salmon and then in the evening I'll have, uh, I don't know, some ha- a halibut dish or something. And I realize, oh my gosh, I ate fish three times a day today. Huh. I ate fish three times a day. And then I'll think most people in this country don't even get one fish meal a week. A week, right. That's fabulous. Yeah, and it's just shocking to me because it's, to me, such a great food. I mean, it not only is delicious, but it's really super heart healthy. Yes. So yes, more fish is definitely a great way to go. Um, and exposing your child to it, you know, it, it takes about 12 exposures to something without pressure. Just keep trying, you know, model eating it and yes. make it. And eventually it does. It takes some exposures, but eventually they do get into it. But anyway, one of my favorite things, I happen to love the combination of fish, any kind of seafood really, um, clams, but in this case cod or halibut, mm. with a little bit of chorizo. So mm. here we're taking this gorgeous fish. It could be cod. It could be halibut. Saute it in a pan with some onions and kale and um, a little bit of chorizo, just enough to flavor it. So it's not a lot. And that's how I really like to use meat in general is to just add flavor to dishes. I mean, sometimes I'll make a burger or whatever, but for the most part, I'm looking at it more as like a condiment. Um, but in this case, a little chorizo goes such a long way to add so much robust flavor. Mm. And then I pour, I pour broth around it and let it simmer, cook the fish through. It takes all of 20 minutes, the whole thing to make. Ellie, please stay with us. I want to talk with you more. We'll be back with more Ellie Krieger in your radio right after this. Don't go away. 
back and we're dishing on eating well and living well. One of the things I've always loved about you, Ellie, is that you are things in moderation. Like the idea of chorizo as a con- as a condiment means that you're using it to flavor enhance, but it's not the star of the dish. But you get the satiation of chorizo. And if you've just tuned in, you're late because that is the Ellie Krieger way. PBS star, of course, James Beard Award winner, uh, podcaster, and more. Ellie Krieger is here. Ellie, that's what I love about the way you cook. And then with winter inspiration, you've been posting about citrus. You could do your honeyed orange salad alongside. And you could invite friends over and really wow. Like that goes from Tuesday night to Saturday night super easy. Yeah, I love how you put that. And I love how you get me, you know, in Mm. terms of the balance. And one of the things that I think people really resonate with my overall approach, and this sort of approach, you know, really informs everything that I do. I see food as usually, sometimes, and rarely. So they're, the usually foods are what define your overall eating plan. And these are, you know, um, vegetables, fruits, whole grains, um, uh, healthy oils, healthy fats, nuts, seeds, beans. But you know what? If that's your usual, then you can sprinkle in some French bread or you can sprinkle in some chorizo. Um, you can have – there's no such thing as never. And I think that really is so liberating. Yes. And it, it enables you to, like, live a certain way in a real way as opposed to being strictly on some just plan that's, that has a lot of no's. Uh, no <laughs> I doubt. I like a lot of no's. I, I don't either. And but, I have a toddler. I hear no all day long. Say it again for us. <laughs> usually? Usually, sometimes, and rarely. And actually, on my website, which is elliekrieger.com, yes, I have um, in my article section... I've listed what are the usually foods, what are the sometimes foods, and what are the rarely foods. Oh, good. And, you know, I mean, food is not, food is food. It's not category, really categorizable in just three strict categories. But it, this just helps kind of lasso your thinking a little bit into yes. a more balanced approach as opposed to, like, something in the extremes. Yes. Which I think maybe at this point, maybe people kind of feel like they've failed their New Year's resolutions but I think they've failed you because probably they were too extreme. Mm. So maybe rethink and mm. go back and don't blame yourself, but go back and think about reframing it into a little more flexible way. Yes, because it's a mindset. I mean, you love food. Of all the food-loving friends I have, I know you love food. But that mindset of usually, sometimes, and rarely is genius. And by the way, girlfriend, you look good because I saw you dancing on a boat recently. <laughs> Well, we all did. Uh, We saw you dancing on a boat and feeling free. And I think that is very much the mindset where your world, like mine, revolves around food. I mean, I've always joked that I plan lunch at breakfast and dinner at lunch. And it... It motivates my day. It does. I'm very clear about that. My my life is about that. Uh, but when you make those good choices, I you feel good about them. I feel good about what I'm eating. Oh yeah, totally. And then dancing is always my New Year's resolution. You know, dance. <laughs> Love that. I my life philosophy is whenever I have the chance to dance, I do it. And it really is part of it because it's not well. Well being is not just about food. Although that's my, I'm a nutritionist. That's my my, and, and born food lover, as you say. So that is my, you know, my pivot point, kind of. of but it's also about 
getting enough rest and trying to cope with stress and moving and moving in joyful ways, not feeling like you're beating yourself up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's all about the pear brown Betty. Oh, you made a pear. (laughs) You made a pear brown Betty. And the one thing that I thought we should talk about, do you only use whole wheat breadcrumbs? I try to, I try to really focus on whole grain, but I'm not a stickler. So if you, if you don't like whole wheat or I mean, yeah, but once mostly, you wait, Ellie. Once you toast them, and it's whole wheat versus not not whole wheat, or the alternative, let's say. Do you really know the difference? That seems like one small change you could make to better your life. I actually like the flavor of it with it. Um, so in many cases, it just really works. Like with the pear brown Betty, or even when I make a pie crust, I like to use um, a whole wheat pastry flour because huh. I like that flavor with the fruit. So I think it's also becomes a preference even. I mean, and it doesn't taste so strong, and I think that's the point. It doesn't taste like you're eating some type of health bread or something. Right. Um, so, yeah. So sometimes I'll use, like, whole grain panko, hmm. um, but then sometimes I'll just use white panko. That's fine. And, and I don't, these are the things, yeah, try to switch to the whole grain. If it's really not your thing, don't stress about it. It's seems, not going to make or break anything. Seems like um, a simple substitution I, for me. Yeah. But I think the idea of fruit-based desserts, so going back to the oranges, this is literally just like slices of oranges. Um, so you basically peel the pith off the orange, and then you slice them into these beautiful rounds, and then just drizzling it with this honey that's infused with mint mm. and uh, basically a mint-infused honey. It's easy. Yum. Um, and then a little pistachio on top. Suddenly, it's basically an orange right <laughs> but it, it but you're turning it into this gorgeous dessert i'm a little lazy <laughs> you are not that is that is not true I'm, but okay i'll, I'll take I'm your not lazy. no you're not but i'll take your pear, pear brown betty anytime <laughs> no i'm not lazy but i don't like to fuss okay i really can't be bothered I'll, be I'll give you that. And that's why we love you, Ellie Krieger. Um, I love that you are taking a new role or taking on a new role, I should say, on CARES Global Advisory Council um, because we all yes, need to do I, our part, save the world. Oh, I, yeah. You know what? I try. I work with Feeding America. I've been active in hunger organizations. Um, hmm. Feeding America is a large um, uh, nationwide yes. organization, but I work very locally with my local food bank with the Bowery Mission in particular. Um, and I just feel like giving back is like part of mm. what makes me feel good. Honestly, I feel like it's a gift to me because it makes me feel good. Like I can make a difference in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, but CARE, I went to an event of theirs this year and I was so blown away by what they do. They, um, it's a 75-year-old organization and they're really making a difference in people's lives on the ground in a real way. They have all different kinds of projects going on, but I'm going to be um, on their advisory board specifically with things as an, I'm a dietitian, so food and water related, you know, helping people mm-hmm. have access to fresh uh, health, you know, Good clean water you. and healthy food. I Love mean, it's it. basic stuff, and we really, we all, uh, you know, deserve fresh water and healthy food. Yeah, yes, we do, and, and kudos to you. Thank you for giving back. Uh, before I let you go, uh, your podcast is number one everywhere. 
um, and deservedly so. Uh, it's called One Real Good Thing, and it's available wherever we listen, right? And coming up, there's some really good stuff. Um, will you share a sneak peek of the soup swap? Because you, yes. you are very big on soup, girlfriend, right now. You yes, are. we can start and end with soup. As okay, as good, please. In the middle of January. <laughs> yeah. um, or end of January. Um, but anyway, yes. I'm so excited. I went to this suit. So my podcast, I'm loving doing it. I'm hoping you're going to come on as a guest. I can't Actually, wait. you promised me you Thank would. You. Yes, so, I can't wait. So Thank I'm you. Hold I'm it. very flattered. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, I'm doing an episode coming up on uh, an event I just went to this weekend. I'm interviewing the people who put, put it together. And it's a soup swap. So everyone comes. So fun. Six quarts. It's Love amazing. It. it was so fun. Fabulous. Everyone comes with six quarts of soup that okay. they freeze. So it's like, you know, food safe. You, we met in Central Park and we put everything out and then you, you get to pick from everybody's soup and you come home with six different quarts of soup. So right now I have uh, all these soups I've never tried before that are just so fun and delicious and, and it's like a whole Fabulous. fun community event. Of so course. I'm going to be talking about that on my podcast and enjoying a lot of soup. I love, but I love that it's six soups you didn't make. So you get to have all new flavors and inspiration and someone else cooked for you. That's like a genius swap when it's not cookie swap season. I, I go for soup swap any day. That's <laughs> totally. fabulous. We'll have to do one sometime. Okay. I would love that. We'll ship them across the country. You and I, you're on. <laughs> um, I can't wait to grace your podcast. Thank you for the flattering invitation. We are all going to be listening. You should of course be following at Ellie underscore Krieger. You should watch on your local PBS station. You should check out Ellie's most recent cookbook, Hole in One, where everything is made in one pot or sheet pan or skillet. Um, I love it and cook from it very often. Uh, Listen to her podcast, please. It's so good. It's called One Real Good Thing. It's available wherever you listen. And then, of course, for usually, sometimes, and rarely, a course in how to eat well and live well, I would call it, you should go to elliekrieger.com. And then my hope is that you will always come back and grace this show, Ellie, because I love having you on. So thank you for sharing your passion. I definitely will. Thank you, Jamie. Always a pleasure. The extraordinary Ellie Krieger in your radio, Chef Jamie Gwen. Grab a snack. Come on back. You should be hungry by now. There's more fabulous food coming up right after this. Don't go away. If you have a taste for life, well, then this is your show. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Tofu is one of the most versatile protein foods in the world. And if you are in search of wonderful ways to prepare meatless lunches or delectable plant-based dinners, well, let's talk tofu, shall we? 
journalist and photographer and an extraordinarily talented one at that, Camille Auger is a tofu aficionado. While her native France is not keen on the virtues of tofu, Camille's extensive travels in Asia inspired her to find a deep appreciation for the delicacy. So we're savoring tofu in all of its complex forms and beautiful preparations as we cook from Camille's just released very marvelous manual entitled The Complete Tofu Cookbook, available now on Amazon for tofu lovers and those looking to embrace the beauty of a meatless meal with this perfect protein. Joining us live from France is author, journalist, and uh, I, I will say just an, an extraordinarily beautiful talent, uh, itinerant as well, Camille Auger. Camille, I'm so glad to have you. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Ah oui, bonjour. Uh, the, book, bonjour. the book is so artsy, Camille. Just to start, I mean, I think it v- so beautifully represents all the wonderful creativity that you share. Um, and I love how you speak about tofu. This is, from what I understand in the introduction, the most comprehensive guide on tofu that has been written in uh, many, many years, I think we should say. Um, and you speak about tofu as a blank page, right? Uh, share, exactly. your, share your love for it, please. Um, you hear a lot, uh, especially in France, I guess it's the same in the U.S., that uh, tofu is blonde. And it's yes. boring and it's tasteless, and it's actually seeing it as a, in, an inconvenience. But tofu is actually, uh, like you said, very versatile because it's bland. If you take the the uh, basic term tofu, which is white and it comes in a block, it doesn't look like anything special. You can do anything with it because it's blunt. You can use it in savory food, in savory uh, dishes, in, in desserts. You can uh, you can change the texture by uh, blending it or, or grinding it or slicing it. You, you can do whatever you want with it, and that's what I find really interesting. And we are uh, we lack a little bit of imagination when it comes to tofu in. Uh, in Europe and I guess in the USA too, uh, but in Asia, they they use it uh, in ways we would never think of, and and that's what I found really really interesting. So you know, in the U.S., Camille, that we are big on what we call protein style, right? So if mm-hmm. you have a, a hamburger here and you don't want the bun, you have yeah. it wrapped in lettuce, and we call that mm-hmm. protein style. But I never thought to make a pouch of tofu to stuff with like everything that you would put in a spring roll or what else do you stuff with it? That's fabulous. Oh, you can, uh, the, the recipe that I love is from Korea. Yes. And they use tofu pouches. They marinate them in a uh, sweet and salty sauce. And mm. then they, they stuff it with rice mixed with sesame oil and vegetables and sesame seeds. And that's so good. That's amazing. It's really oh, easy to eat. Fabulous. You make little pouches. It looks so cute. Oh, it's amazing. I love that. Okay. Um, speaking of Korea, you have traveled extensively through Asia and each of the Asian countries uses tofu in a different way. 
So you touched on Korea and the pouch. In, in China and Taiwan, which is the birthplace of tofu, right? In China. Yeah. What is the most common uh, method or technique to use tofu, or your favorite for that matter? There are so many recipes from the book I can't wait to try. Yes. Uh, in, in China and in Taiwan, it's, it's a bit crazy because it really changes your view on tofu because that blonde block doesn't really fit in the description, <laughs> you know. Yes. It's, you know, you can find the typical uh, white block, but you also have crazy tofu, like hairy tofu, with hair growing on it. It's just mold, and it's fermented, so it's, it has a really strong taste. It's mm-hmm. a bit like French cheese. Yes. Uh, it has a smell. <laughs> it's yes. really strange, uh-huh. but I love it. Huh. Um, they also are in, in night markets in Taiwan. The only thing you can smell from, I don't know, 10 meters uh, away is, is that uh, stinky tofu, they call it. Yes. So it's, it's a soup made from fermented tofu, pig stripes, huh. goose blood, huh. and, and fish sauce. It's so smelly. It's <laughs> terrible, but it tastes amazing. <laughs> The brilliance of tofu. You've highlighted it uh, so beautifully. So kudos to you. Amazon top rated, once again, just released from Camille Auger, the complete tofu cookbook, embracing plant-based recipes from the ra- around the world and highlighting the beauty of tofu. Camille, as you create more and more recipes, will you come back? Uh, I loved talking with you. Thank you for sharing your passion. Thank you so much. Ah, oui, merci. I'm very glad I was uh, yes, thank you so much Merci for, for having me. You stay well, and uh, we'll look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. And so I hope that this hour helped you unleash your inner chef and that you got your fix of culinary entertainment. Before I let you go, allow me to share my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration for the hour. I call it cheesy tortellini in creamy marinara. And if you love goat cheese, well, then this recipe is for you. You cook fresh cheese tortellini from your favorite gourmet supermarket in boiling water, of course. And they usually take, what, two to three minutes. Once they come to the surface, they're ready. And meanwhile, I make a really quick tomato sauce. I like to use fire-roasted tomatoes, olive oil, a splash of balsamic, some good roasted garlic powder, and fresh basil from the pot outside my patio door. And I bring the sauce to a simmer, and I cook it 10 minutes. And then I throw in those cheesy tortellini, and I crumble in goat cheese. And you get this beautiful acidity from the goat cheese, and it creates a cream sauce. And then you've got cheese tortellini on top of it. I mean, how bad could it be, right? So I will post the recipe for my cheesy tortellini and creamy marinara on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. And I will meet you here next weekend when I guarantee there is lots more fabulous food in your radio. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well.